Hi, I'm your host, Johannes Svensson, and this is Let's Complicated Podcast. I went ahead and did a second season of the podcast out of my passion for therapy and conversations. You see, I'm a therapist who, besides doing client work, loves to talk to other therapists about, surprise, therapy. I'm also one of the co-founders of It's Complicated, which is a therapy platform that helps people find the right therapists and supports the therapists in their craft of helping others. It came into being a couple of years back when we wished to make the search for the right therapist simpler, and over time it's developed to be a thriving and diverse community of practitioners and therapy seekers. And in this second season of the podcast, it's the community of practitioners I focus on. In the episode you're listening to, I have the pleasure of speaking to sex therapist, individual counselor and couples counselor Christy Moore. As someone who is quite disconnected from my own body, I was very excited to get to speak to an experienced and intuitive counselor like Christy, because it provided an opportunity to learn about body work, couples work, the breath, sexuality, intimacy, and more. I hope you enjoy. So, Christy, thanks for agreeing to talk with me today. Um, before I launch into my many questions for you, would you mind just briefly introducing yourself and your work? Of course, and thank you so much for the invitation today. I'm really happy to be talking to you. My name is Christy Moore. I'm originally American, currently living near Zurich, Switzerland. Uh, I've been living here for nearly 20 years. And I'm working as a counselor. Um, I would say probably 80% of the time I'm working right now. And my main focus in my counseling practice is sexuality, intimacy, and couples counseling. And I also do a few other things around that. Yeah. How, how would you actually say the ratio is between couples counseling and individual therapy in your practice? Um, that's a good question. I think at the moment I'm doing about one, one quarter is couples counseling. Yeah, so it's, it's quite a lot for me. I'm really happy about this development because working with couples is an incredible challenge for me. Yes, and also, it's incredibly beautiful to see the evolution happen with two people at once and how they're interacting with one another. So I feel very lucky to be working with couples. And I'm happy it's 25% right now. It's a good number for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I can imagine it's it's been a long time since I've done couples counseling, but it is one of those things where having two people or more in the room mm. of course there's an aspect of it that's quite energizing but it's also it's it's a lot I don't know how do you feel about it like how are you well, after the session well it's 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 interesting that you call it energizing I agree and one of the ways that I tend to start the first couple's counseling is I admit how very nervous I am simply because I'm outnumbered there are yes. two of them and one of me, and they know each other very well, and I don't know either of them. So it's a very unequal playing field. 
And so I admit that right off the bat. And I say, oh, I'm very nervous. <laughs> there are two of you and just one of me. And then I usually joke and I say, I hope we all survive. <laughs> Ah, that's a beautiful introduction. And and I am usually very pleased that everyone survives um, because there's so much energy in the room. It can get really volatile at times. You know, it can really, it can really explode a a bit. And I mean that in a positive way. Yeah. And then it's my, my role to coordinate and to make sure that we can come back down and, and uh, find a way to, to communicate again, all three of us, uh, so that it's productive. It's really energizing and it's really exhausting yeah. for, for me because I, I'm very present during the session. Yeah. Does it, it, what you just said also made me wonder, would you say that it requires more assertiveness than individual therapy because of this uh, unequal ratio? Definitely. I'm being too? <laughs> Definitely. This is where my one of my other roles, the role of mother, I have two children, very much comes in handy because I need to bring that assertiveness also to the couples. I'm very clear with them. I often use sports type signals like time out. We're going to pause here. They see me do hand signals. I'm incredibly um, assertive with my body language in a couple session, and it works really, really well because they understand also how important it is to pause. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And, and when and how did you actually find out that you wanted to be a counselor? Mm. Um, th- that's a good question. Uh, my my. So I went to university, I started university at the age of 18, which is typical for Americans. And I think it's quite young for for European standards. Yeah. So at the age of 18, I needed to choose my course of studies. And um, at the time I I went ahead and chose philosophy, which felt like a very daring move um, because it wasn't clear how that was going to make a living how I was going to make a living for myself by studying philosophy. But, you know, I was 18 and that didn't matter very much to me um, because I, I chose the course of studies really with a, an important question in mind. I really wanted to know how does a person go about living a good life? Nice. So, so, and so living a good life. And then there's also the question of what is a life worth living? which is quite a heavy question. Yeah. And so um, so I, I went about my philosophy studies really searching for what sort of qualities does a person need to have to live a really good life and to live their life fully. And mm. also I was interested in, in how we make decisions. And then came my interest in ethics. Ooh. So how, how we make decisions and... Um, also how we create our own ethical standards, especially mm. for people who want to live their life um, outside of religion. Yeah. So if I'm not going to be religious, how am I going to go about setting my ethical standards and making good decisions for myself? 
and also for the people around me. And um, so where am I going with this? <laughs> you also, were such also, a wise 18 year old, I must well, say. I, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I think I was a I've always been a very curious person. I've always really loved asking questions. And so that's where I was heading with this actually. So philosophy is really about asking a lot of questions and looking for a lot of answers. Yes. And, and I think that um, it's not necessarily about finding the right answer. It's just about having wide range and knowing what's available. What, what could I do? And um, that informs uh, our autonomy. So I highly value autonomy. And so um, after finishing my studies, I went on to do a lot of other things. I had corporate jobs. I worked as a, an English teacher. I was even a nanny. I did a lot of different things. And um, I came back to, to this, this question again, how do we live a good life? Yeah. And then I realized, well, people who seek counseling, they're probably more likely to live a good life mm. because they are increasing their own autonomy by um, giving themselves a broader range. They're, they're asking the big questions for themselves and they're looking for, with the help of a counselor, for a wide range of answers to their questions. So they're really like curious. Yeah. And yeah. Um, Yeah, and so compared to philosophy can be very impractical. It's very, <laughs> it's very theoretical. Philosophers like to take questions really to the extreme. Yeah. They like to push it to the absolute end to try to figure things out. And for me, counseling is the exact opposite. Counsel counseling is asking these big questions and keeping the answers really practical Yeah. And, and, you know, being able to implement things right into daily life. Yeah. Do you, so and that's, and, and do you, do you, did you remember the moment then like where you realize, Ooh, I, I, I need to bring all of this, <laughs> this heady, fluffy, extremely interesting material yeah. into some kind of practical reality into something more, actionable <laughs> <laughs> that that is a really good question because no I there there wasn't a there wasn't a moment when I knew I wanted to be a counselor there was the moment I knew I wanted to get a master's of sexology so I've, nice. <laughs> I've always loved education yeah. and I knew that if I invest in getting a master's I'll probably have to do the job afterwards yes I'll really yeah. I'll have to turn into a counselor um, and that felt so intimidating to me at the time I just decided I'm going to fully enjoy my education yeah and I had the good luck that during my education I really evolved into a counselor so it wasn't a decision, it was an evolution. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I would always go for a more wholesome, um, like little by little process. Than <laughs> right. And I yeah. think my age also has something to do with it. I um, actually, I was, it's interesting. Today was, it's called Zukunftstag uh, in Switzerland. 
And that's where the, the school children, Zukunftstag is future day. Yeah. And the school children are um, given the opportunity to think about their future career. And so I hosted two children this morning Beautiful. and told them what it's like to be a self-employed counselor. And during um, my work with the children this morning, I really realized how important a certain age is for yeah. me. Yeah. I think I, I couldn't have done this job when I was 25. I really needed to be over 40 to do this job yeah. because I think for me personally, again, this is my, for me, how, yeah. how I developed, I needed to bring all of my life experience to my work. Yeah. Mm. Yes, that makes, that makes so much sense. But was the master's then also, was it quite practical? Like, did you have the benefit of it also having coursework where you had to do real life therapy or yeah. role play or things like that? Yeah, um, my program, I did my program here in Switzerland in German and Swiss German. Swiss German is a really um, strong dialect of the German language. And the, the master's was um, com completely practical in a lot of ways. It, because it's university level, we also had a solid amount of, uh, of theory and history and medicine and psychology yeah. and all of the, really the liberal arts were all in there because it's a master's of arts. Yeah. Um, but our, uh, our main professor really wanted to give us the gift of practice. And almost from day one, we were taught how to really be in the role of, of counselor. And we did that through role plays and we did that, we, you know, we tried it out on each other. And what's also really special about my program, and I have heard this about a lot of, um, well, about psychology in particular, that I needed to really, at the same time as studying, I needed to fully investigate my own sexuality. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I needed to learn a lot about myself. So even if I wasn't doing practical work with um, in a role play, yeah. there were other times when I was doing just practical work on myself. So really asking myself the questions and looking for my own answers. Really this... Um, exploration of the topic really yes. res wrestling wrestling with the topic mm. can you tell me a bit about how your career uh, as a counselor has has made you define and work with sexuality and intimacy if those two go so much hand in hand that that they can't be separated okay um i do like to talk about emotional intimacy as one topic right 
physical intimacy as another topic yes. and then sexuality as a third topic. I really do like to pull them apart and look at them individually. That makes sense. Instead of throwing them all into one ball of yarn. Yeah. And um, that's very helpful for most of my clients. They're very relieved when they find out that their emotional intimacy can be reserved for one person, for example. Yes. And their sexual interests could be in another direction. Mm. Mm. That can be quite a relief for, for some people. Um, so how do I feel about uh, intimacy? It's not really an easy question to answer. No. But uh, so what comes to mind really is, so the first word is trust. Yes. Um, trust. And so for me, being emotionally intimate with someone is really sort of this taking my guard down Really, so like letting my wall fall mm. and trusting, trusting. What's interesting about trust and, and intimacy is first I need to trust myself. Yes. And then trust the other person. Often we forget, we think trust is an outward, something that happens outward you know yeah. I need to trust them I like to think about it well first how are you trusting yourself and then how are you trusting them so intimacy has really a lot of layers for me trust being a very important one also this feeling vulnerable yeah like really like you, you can't see me because this is audio but I'm sort of like really sinking into it yeah, really sinking into the, the emotional intimacy to the feeling and um, also very much staying connected. So staying in connection with the people who you care about. Yeah. And um, I, I also think of it, too, it's where we grow a lot. Yeah, it's where where we get really expansive in our experience of humanness that when we're feeling emotionally intimate with others. We, we really grow a lot. We, we expand a lot. So, um, so that's intimacy. And then you also wanted to know a little bit about sexuality yeah, or how I feel it, about it or my. Yeah. Like how, how you've come to prefer to work with sexuality in mm -hmm. your, in, in the therapy room and Okay. And, and maybe also define it since it is such an all encompassing and, and for, for many almost overwhelming concept. True, true. Yes. I, I don't know if I can define sexuality today. I don't know if I'm going to hit the mark here just to warn you. But um, the first thing that comes to mind, though, uh, when I'm thinking about the difference between emotional intimacy and sexuality is mm. sexuality for me at best at best is pleasure seeking yes okay so it's really like what am i doing with my body to seek pleasure 
And at this point, I would like to say, for me, sexuality is not defined or it's not necessary to have two or more people. Sexuality is also something we do just with ourselves. Okay, so I talk a lot in my practice, uh, you know, about solo sex and, well, how do you express sexuality when you're all alone? Yeah. When no one else is in the room, what does your sexuality look like? What do you desire? How do you like to be touched when you're all by yourself? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yes, uh, so sexuality is for me very much about pleasure seeking with the body and with all of the senses. Yes. Really all of them, you know, not just how, how things look, but also how they smell, how they taste, how they sound. Um, is it with, with gravity, without gravity, you know, my position in the room? Um, and of course, how things feel, really all of the senses. And just one more thing I want to say about sexuality is I like to talk about it in a way that sexuality is a bit animal. Animal. <laughs> I'll just yeah. say it again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's where humans can explore being a little bit animal where we let our desires take over us, where we indulge in pleasure, where we feel decadent and maybe deviant. Uh, I talked earlier about ethical standards. Well, maybe in my sexuality, I have, I'm allowed to deviate from my ethical standards. It's a, it's a playground. Hmm? Yeah. So the question is really, yeah, when do we allow ourselves to get animalistic? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's an important question. And I was also reminded of um, Adrienne Brown. Have you heard of her? Um, I think the book that she wrote is called Pleasure Activism. But I it, have heard of the title. Yes, I'm yeah. not very good with names, but Pleasure Activism. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, right. So in in the middle of you know capitalism and in the middle of the daily grind how and when do we make space for pleasure and it can feel very um revolutionary exactly yeah Yeah. so i think that's a it's a very exciting way to think about it you know to really actively you know really put yourself out there and say you know i'm going to set this as a priority and this is radical yeah, because that's radical. what it is. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. We need more of that. Yeah, and and that's also where I think it probably feels a bit transgressive for people and difficult, mm. and why mm. they would need a counselor, mm. Be- because it you know, it's it's so unusual, mm-hmm. uh, beyond being awkward for many. It's actually right. for foreign land. Definitely. Um, yeah, and not just not just foreign land, but also very. There are so many complex emotions. For example, shame, yes, guilt, uh, fear, or it, or like I said, feeling very deviant, which is yes. often negative. 
not for me, but for many people, oh, I'm, you know, I'm not following the rules. I need to be punished or I need to punish myself. And so seeking a counselor to gain, gain really just gain a new perspective and find, find a new way to tell the story so that, um, so that the people can feel more, that they're able to give themselves more permission. Yeah. More permission to be pleasure seeking. Yeah. And when you speak like that, it also makes me wonder, I mean, in, in, in that regard, your work seems to almost become like political, like when, when you help people to, to dismantle mm. these like normative beliefs about what's yeah. shameful and negatively mm. deviant, you know, helping yeah, them yeah. to. Yeah. 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 So I, I think that really, that's where I am very lucky that my first education was in philosophy. Um, and I do, I do inform my work quite often from, from my philosophy education. And I do, I do see the work I'm doing as, um, yeah, as being, being highly, highly political at times. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm very pleased that my clients specifically seek me out because they, I often get told they feel like I'm the right person for the job. Like if anyone's going to help me behave more radically, a sex therapist is, is the person. That's when I get really excited. <laughs> yes. Would you say that, that you've worked on your profile description or like how you I almost want to say like brand yourself to get mm -hmm. a, a good match like to to get people who are like you are the right person and they know because you've you, you've you've written a good description of an, an authentic description or how has that mm -hmm. process been for you um well first off I, I After studying philosophy, I did work in marketing. So I, I do understand the importance of, of storytelling. Yeah. And I don't mean I don't mean inventing a story. I mean telling some telling or authentic stories. Yeah. And in regards to, to my profile and how clients find me um, and how I tell my story. I really hope it comes across that um, I have really tried a lot of things myself and I have explored a lot and I've really um, been, like I said, wrestling with the topic of sexuality since I was probably 12. Yeah. And, and so it's something that's, it's a very big component of who I am. And also I, 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 it makes me so excited about life. Uh, sexuality is one of my one of my life forces. For me, it's not. Um, it, it's much. It is definitely a basic need. Uh, I say. I think that everyone has a basic need to live their sexuality, yeah. and and it's an absolute life force. 
when yeah. we're in connection with our sexuality, I think we almost gain like superpowers. We get creative and we get, you know, strong and passionate and we stand up for ourselves and we speak differently. We walk differently. Uh, we love ourselves differently. And then yeah. we go out and love the people around us differently. And so um, this is what I'm trying to do on a daily basis. I, and I think my clients feel that I, I set myself personal challenges all the time to wrestle with my own sexuality. And I do try to, one of the biggest compliments I got recently is um, a colleague in a similar field said, wow, Christy, you really just put yourself out there. Like you, you just show it, you show yourself. And I thought that was the most beautiful compliment I could, uh, could ever receive because I'm really trying not to hide who I am. I think that's important in specifically in this area of work. And you're walking the talk. So maybe it becomes a bit more um, manageable or a bit less dangerous for, for, for your clients to do the same. Exactly. That's, that's my biggest hope. Definitely. Yes. And so how would you describe the ideal counselor? Like to you, would that be someone who puts themselves out there or, um, or, or someone who's mm. lived like a really long and rich, varied life? Um, um, I think, you know, first off, like you said, it, it is, it's it's the match that's really important it is it it's the dynamic between the counselor and the client how they're going to enter into it's a bit of a dance with yes. one another mm-hmm. um it's really two people or three people coming together to the, both the, the client and the counselor need to bring something So in that sense, it's not, I don't think there's a perfect counselor. I think there's, um, there are really extraordinary matches between client and counselor. And that's where, I mean, it's a little bit of a silly word, but that's where the magic happens is when two people are able to really connect and um, the client feels like they found exactly the right person for them. Yeah. And they feel like they can um, really like lift off, you know, like it's like lift off, like a, like a rocket going into outer space. Um, So it really is about the, the interaction. I don't think there's any sort of perfect counselor or, or you know, a certain number of years of education or X, you know, yeah. Yeah, and time and again, that's also what the studies show. Yeah. <laughs> Everything is in that alliance, in that dance. Right. Yeah, yeah. Can I backtrack just a little bit? Because mm-hmm. I, I realized um, something that maybe is a bit more connected to how you work with, with intimacy and sexuality in your therapy is the question of how you bring in the body um Mm -hmm. like like Mm -hmm. body work Uh, can can you tell me a bit about about how how that um manifests in your practice body work 
I can try. Yeah, it's also a, a, a big question with a lot of um, a lot of different applications. Yeah. Um, so I'm also considering because I work online and I work in person. And so oh, yeah. working online, I need to have a different awareness of my client's body as opposed to working in person, because then I see a lot more. I can, it, it's easier for me to see how my client is breathing. So I'll start there. That's when I'm working with clients, one of the most important body aspects that I try to keep very aware of during the whole session is how my clients are breathing. And if I can't see it, then in the middle of one of my sessions, I'll often just ask my client and, and are you breathing? <laughs> you know, <laughs> so I'll ask a difficult question and are you breathing? Mm? And then sometimes they, they laugh and they say, no, I'm not breathing. Um, or yes, but I'm only breathing, you know, to hear. And then they show me that they're, do make, they're breathing uh, very shallow. Yeah. So um, I look at breath and then often I'll build in a really a quick intervention or exercise intervention sounds so formal, but um, I'll say, okay, let's pause here. And we're going to take a few breaths in and out up and down the spine. We're going to bring the breath all the way down into the hips. We're going to blink the eyes, turn the head. So really short intervention, and then we'll carry on with the conversation. So that's breath. Yeah. And then I also look quite often at tension. So where is my client holding tension? Hmm? Exactly. So I'll just have a look. And sometimes I just will mention, oh, it looks like your right shoulder is a little bit higher than your left. Maybe you've got some tension there. Or I'll specifically ask, how are your thighs? Or how is your bottom? Are you mm. clenching? Mm. Are you clenching your bum, you know, in the chair? Aha. Yeah. Okay, well, let's breathe into it. Yeah. Let's sink down into the chair, you know, just yeah. one centimeter. Okay, so that's breath and tension. And then often I will address posture. Yeah. yeah how someone is sitting. And in regards to sexuality, sometimes that has to do with how my client is, uh, what, what are they doing with their pelvis? Hmm. Is it pulled back? Is it presented forward? Is it open? Is it closed? Um, and often that has, some, that says something about the sexuality of some of, of my client. And sometimes we'll talk about also uh, gender, so yeah. if I sit like this, what, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. Am I performing ge gender in a certain way when I sit like this? What does that say to the people around me? Um, and then of course, because I am a, you know, my specialty is sexuality. I do go ahead and talk about vulva, vagina, penis, yeah. anus. We talk about all of those body parts too, breasts, nipples, and um, also, you know, really, if that so often, often 
we forget that these body parts, the ones I just mentioned, that they're always with us. Yeah. And what's so interesting is how often they just go forgotten. They're omitted. So if you're in yoga class, we'll do a body scan. You know, the yoga teacher is doing, you know, all the body parts that scan through the whole body. And they'll just like leap over the whole pelvis. So all of the, the, all of the body parts there, they're just like skip over them. That's so interesting. I think I would inadvertently do that as well. Huh. Probably, (laughs) probably we're, we're, we're socially trained not to talk about those bits and pieces as the British say those bits. Yeah. Not even taking them into account, just skipping over them. We just we just yep. jump right over them. Yeah. So sometimes that's quite a quite radical work, just to not jump over them. Yeah. Just to give them some space in the session. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Make make room for them. <laughs> Right, right. And so sometimes, you know, my peers do um, counselors in other areas ask me, well, how could I, how could I support my client's sexuality? And I think really one of the easiest ways is to just go ahead and say to your, your clients, you know, in my, in this safe space, it's okay to say the words vulva, vagina, penis, anus. These are all words we can use here. Yeah. And just see what happens. That's it's just really... sometimes saying it first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's actually a really good, simple hack, you know, it like is, how to bring is. in the body. I want the body to be more connected to my practice. Christy, how do I do that? Right. Well, offer them the words, offer them the language. It's, say it's exactly. okay. Exactly. And that for a lot of us, we first have to try that out for ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Thank you so much for talking to me today, explaining about your work and your career trajectory. It was super interesting. Thank you. And likewise, it was really lovely to spend this time with you. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's a a really special opportunity as a therapist because I do so much listening. I'm not quite used to doing so much talking. Um, So thank you for for this opportunity. Thank you so much.